in the teaching reflections last night who we was speaking about inhabiting our experience as this impressionable field of consciousness and rather than um, reacting to the sense of self as a subject moving through a world of objects the capacity we have to kind of unify our experience such as to really receive our experience as right here the field of bodily life is happening right here the sensory impressions of experience arising and passing right here the opportunity we have to find the spaciousness of being right here like we've said earlier here doesn't have any edges here is fundamentally spacious welcoming full of possibility and the practice that we've been pointing to and supporting and cultivating over these days one of uh, establishing this hereness in a very direct way physical way embodied way coming back from waking up from our abstractions fantasies habitual plans or worries or analysis of experience coming back to a direct welcome to experience and as we uh, as we cultivate that kind of consistency coming back welcoming experience coming back welcoming experience that creates a certain kind of intensity intensity that can be powerful illuminating but also an intensity that can be uncomfortable in different ways so as we settle into today's rhythm of practice I wanted to speak a little more about the kinds of discomfort that can arise as we mentioned already, certain physical discomfort, some of which may be related to posture. If you're sitting on the floor, there's more pressure on uh, thighs, knees, ankles than there is if you're in a chair. Even in a chair, just the consistency of sitting rather still over time generate a certain kind of Uh, intensity, a certain kind of discomfort. And there's something actually, maybe, especially if we're quite new to practice, more important, more powerful, more transformative actually than we may realise, by just the willingness to hang out with that discomfort or intensity. Something powerful in our willingness to cultivate a certain gentleness with the experience 
a certain non-reactivity to the experience. potency that develops when we recognize the tendency to generate a lot of extraneous thought, a lot of resistance, a lot of panic even maybe. Sometimes the discomfort may set in quite early on into the sitting and then we think, oh my God, how much longer? What's it going to be like? Sometimes that guy at the front doesn't even tell us how long we're going to be sitting for and then how am I supposed to manage my attempt to control, etc. And so we might notice the generating all that kind of complexity and just the willingness to drop it and come back to being as simple, as grounded, as welcoming as we can. So these important qualities get cultivated there. Pali word kanti. Kanti means usually translated as patient endurance, the willingness, the capacity to bear with the unpleasant without making a lot of drama, without fussing and fighting and freaking out. It doesn't sound like the glamorous stuff of meditation. The glamorous stuff is much more to do with bliss and... uh, Um, feelings of unity and um, enlightenment, etc. But there's actually something very soothing, something very powerful about generating that capacity to bear with. The capacity to um, care for ourselves, to care for the moment, to care for experience when it's unpleasant. Something quite powerful about noticing that actually maybe the unpleasantness itself, the heat or pressure or density in our physical experience isn't what's most difficult. What's most difficult very often is the resistance, the pushing against it, the mind that's complaining and judging and pushing and refusing and hardening around the experience. So we get to develop kanti, patient endurance, gentleness with, and upeka, another Pali word, means uh, usually translated as equanimity. The, I prefer that since the, the um, spaciousness of the heart, a kind of wide openness, the willingness to make room for what's here, whether we like it or not. So, everyday mind might be saying, oh, I don't like this. I didn't come here to be uncomfortable. What's the point? Etc. Discomfort easily generates doubt. And we can see that in our experience. I don't like being uncomfortable. And therefore part of what I do is we tend to resist. And then we tend to get doubtful. And then from the doubt we get discouraged. And the discouragement we get depressed. 
from the depressed we get d- 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 something else, disaster. Right? Doubt, discouragement, depression, and then... You know, those build on top of each other. And until we generate some sense of uselessness or hopelessness or etc. Or hardness. Right? Just f- struggling with ourselves. Struggling with the discomfort. And yet actually there's a lot of possibility in there. To cultivate a gentleness of heart, a steadiness of heart. <coughs> and to cultivate insight and wisdom. To really look and see... You know, what we do with physical discomfort tends to be pretty much exactly the same as what we do with all other kinds of discomfort. All kinds of other situations in life where we're faced with something we wouldn't have chosen and that we don't particularly like. And we get to see the difference between just the manifestation of the unpleasantness itself in physical discomfort, like I say, heat, pressure, etc., density, and then all the layering that we do on top of it. And so the opportunity to really notice that difference. And sometimes it can completely shift the experience when we come back from our story about what's happening. Our story about what's wrong with the experience or our story about what's wrong with us or our story about what's wrong with the situation. And we let ourselves actually just come back to this embodied relationship with the heat or pressure that we're experiencing in our thighs, wherever it might be. And we come back to recognizing the fluid, dancing, changing nature of this body field, this chitta field, this field of consciousness. So, some encouragement to bear with. Bear with in a gentle way, in a spacious way, in a non reactive way. And as I said yesterday, when that gets too much, if there's no capacity left, for gentleness, spaciousness, non-reactivity, then adjusting your posture in some way. And as you do so, feeling the ease that may come in. Sometimes when you adjust your posture, you might notice, oh, it's like something really relaxes. And if that's the case, you might wonder, well, what were you doing before that made you... that? meant that suddenly there was so much relaxation when you moved. It's sometimes in moving and relaxing that we actually notice how before we moved we were unconsciously kind of braced, locked up against the discomfort. (coughs) And then I also made reference yesterday to those those areas of discomfort that really aren't to do with posture. They're not really physical. I mean, we experience them physically, but their origins aren't physical. We could just call um, meditative discomfort. 
the stuff that arises just out of the intensity, not actually of sitting in a particular way, but the intensity of really confronting ourselves with ourselves. And the tension that we may experience, the heat, pressure, density in the head, shoulders, neck, back, etc. <clears throat> the discomforts that are there, what I was calling yesterday this opening up of energetically stored um, tension patterns, the somatization, right? the bodily storing of emotional residue habit residue in the way we hold ourselves and meet experience and in many ways same things apply as much as possible just to see if one can meet those those tensions and discomforts with a certain gentleness openness spaciousness non-reactivity and also helpful like I was pointing to somebody yesterday morning uh, when they asked to notice what are the feelings that go with it. Because the kind of uh, emotional response we have to those discomforts is very often directly linked to the discomfort themselves. In other words, if you find you're feeling very frustrated with the discomfort, it may be that that discomfort is actually a somatization of frustration. If you're feeling afraid of the discomfort... Maybe it's a somatization of fear. If you're feeling impatient with the discomfort, maybe it's a somatization of impatience. And it's quite extraordinary how these things can open up when we really let ourselves relate, not just to the, the physical discomfort, but actually to let in and to explore the relationship to it. I don't like this, I don't want this. Uh, how long is it going to last? This is terrible. And you let yourself feel, oh, there, and there's fear. And letting yourself recognize the, the, the emotion, the way the emotion is coloring the physical discomfort. And there's often right there a place where the, the, that heat tension can start to really open up, move, dissolve. Or there's often right there where the relationship to the discomfort can open up, change, dissolve. So on the one hand, if we look in a very uh, cursory way, we might say, here we are, just sitting around feeling uncomfortable. And if that's the only, if we only look to that extent, we might well generate doubt. We might well wonder, why? And on the other hand, if we're willing to look a little more closely, a little more finely, a little more deeply, we say, here we are, meeting experience. Here we are, really seeing our habits moment by moment. Here we are with this possibility to meet our life more directly, understand our relationship with life more clearly, respond to our life more freely.
meditation practice is like putting our life under the microscope of awareness. The same habits, same kind of ways of a meeting experience, but we're seeing them really up close with a certain subtlety and with a certain intensity. And it's in this spirit then that we sit here together. setting up and settling into your posture. Take a moment to really feel the stability of a grounded posture. The density of sensation in your lower body in the contact with the ground cushion, chair. Actually sensing into that density can be helpful in activating a certain grounded quality of awareness. Sensing into the uprightness of your posture, <coughs> the length of your spine, the balance of your head, the space between your vertebrae. Establishing that uprightness can really help in activating a certain brightness of awareness. Letting your posture be open. Rolling your shoulders back a little if you're not sure. Feeling the space that comes into your chest. A space and an openness that really helps in activating a certain receptivity of awareness. That quality of welcome. So just letting your posture be easeful, relaxed, 
first in your head, just softening your scalp, forehead, <coughs> the subtle tensions we often hold around our eyes. jaw and just sensing through your body downwards with that intention to relax internally using the support of the outbreath to just soften shoulders and arms and hands softening down through your chest and belly Letting your attention come down (coughs) down deep into your belly. Down into the womb of experience. below your navel down into the lowest place that you can still feel the subtle expansion of the in-breath and relaxation of the out-breath and the still point between breaths gathering your attention here establishing a sense of collectedness attention presence Sati. Expansion of the in-breath. 
aware in the relaxation of the out-breath. Aware through the still point between breaths. of your experience aware of this fluid changing field of bodily experience
and you find your attention's been caught up in some fantasy, some abstraction, some reaction. And usually you find your attention's lifted up and out of your belly. Upwards and outwards into abstraction, into mental story and image. When you notice that, you must really take a moment to notice it. The upness and outwardness. The investment in that storyline. And as the outbreath comes along, let it carry your attention back down. Back down into your belly. Back down into the womb of experience. Back down into the depths of being here. Back down into the immediacy of body sitting. body breathing body sensing
present in the midst of sensations dancing in the midst of this changing vibratory body field sensations that may be light or dense warm or cool pleasant or unpleasant present in a way that's cultivating a certain spaciousness a certain allowing a certain welcome present in the midst of this body field just like this
whatever's happening right now. Seeing if it's possible to relax into it. Soften a little into sitting here. To unhook your attention from any push or pull, any pursuit of some particular experience or any pushing back against anything unpleasant. Seeing what's possible right now to be here a little more fully, a little more fluidly. a little more freely.
last five minutes of the sitting.
So, what are you noticing? What's happening as you uh, look into your experience? Some time for questions or comments you might have about um, about what's going on in your practice or about the way I've been describing our practice together. Yeah, yeah. Julia. Is it? Um, I experienced um, that I had to fall asleep all the time. I had to go like this and then I opened my eyes and after your talk, of course, I think this is also the restriction of the mind going somewhere. But it really feels like a battle mm. uh, to stay awake. Yeah. Um, can you give some advice on that for how it works? Yeah, I will say something because you're definitely not the only one. <laughs> So, there's a combination of things. Sometimes, it's just, you know, we arrive, and I spoke last night a little bit about that sense of accumulated fatigue that can be there. It's just a certain tiredness. And we're used to often not fully experiencing our tiredness because of the level of stimulation in our lives. And then we come here and there's really not much stimulation. Like breathing. That's why we get so fixated on lunch sometimes, because it's like, oh my God, a bit of sensory entertainment. And so when the stimulation level drops, so initially can allow whatever accumulated tiredness is there to catch up with us. But after one or two days, it may not be that it's that so much as... Um, a sort of a certain patterning of the mind. Some of us tend to avoid experience by going in the other direction. Restlessness, agitation, right? boredom. Oh, 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 I don't know what to do. Anything would be more interesting than this. And then we start to generate a lot of agitation. Right. <laughs> but for others of us, or in other moments, like you're saying, it's like the, we go in the other energetic Direction from excess energy to low energy, right? And it's like another way, actually, of avoiding in some way what's here. Not consciously avoiding, but nevertheless, switching off to. So, and the energy drop and the dullness of mind, which then comes, which can be very strong, is such that just the intention oh, to pay attention doesn't help. You think, oh, I don't know. Come back, and it lasts for a second or two, only sometimes, and then gone again. So it's helpful just to do something like this is often helpful. Just sitting, and not only are you less likely to nod off with your hands raised like this, but there's also something about just the willingness to actually do what it takes to be awake. Right. So just you know, and you might stay like that for some time, maybe for half of the sitting, even. Right? Or it may be that just a few minutes like that is enough, and it just helps to kind of reawaken some energy and shift the mind state a little bit. Some people also find it helpful to stand up. Sometimes opening the eyes is enough, but often it's not just not enough. If you do open the eyes, helpful just to move your gaze up to the ceiling. And that also can just bring a little energy. 
Yeah. 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 Um, I've just found that the more I'm meditating, sort of now, the more abstractions are coming in, and more and more difficult it is to unhook. And I know we, we've talked about it, and, and I am unhooking. So I mean, that's good. I mean, that's very good. That's what we need to do. But it's it just seems like there are more and more little clouds yeah. appearing, 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 appearing. Yeah. Can you hear at the back? Did you? Yeah. So it seems seems as if Andrew's saying it. See, Andrew, yeah. seems as if the more I meditate, the more busy my mind is, or the more I'm caught up in abstraction. Um, it it can appear like that. Actually, I would say it's not that you're getting caught up more. It's rather that there's more awareness than usual of how much mind gets caught up. Right? Mind's constantly running around after various abstractions. But usually we're so f- entranced by the abstractions, we don't notice it. We don't say, oh, mind's caught up. We just say, oh, that's interesting, blah, 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 blah. Right? But then we're starting to actually notice, oh my God, mind's constantly running around, right? And then that can generate, like you're saying, some anxiety about that or some dissatisfaction with that or some struggle with that. And the anxiety and dissatisfaction and struggle are more abstraction. So, and yet, like you say, you are unhooking and that's good, right? That I would stick, that's the important bit. It doesn't matter if it may be that sometimes there's some real steadiness and quiet and groundedness. And that's very nice. But you can't make that happen. And maybe at that other times that mind, for whatever reason, through habit or through uh, something that's, that's going on internally or externally, that mind is busy. Right? When mind is busy, you can't make it not be busy. But you, what you can do, that willingness, even if, it, if it's a hundred times in a, in a meditation sitting that you notice and you unhook, then so, that's something important happening there. It's a hundred times that you're cultivating recognition, right? actually seeing and knowing where your mind has gone, and you're cultivating the unhooking, right? the willingness and the capacity to drop, to drop, to drop. And you're cultivating that sense of coming back to, of getting more familiar with embodied presence. So even though that might only last a few seconds between, you, between that and being caught again, as much as you can be, as just be willing to unhook, unhook. Recognize, release, reestablish. Recognize, release, reestablish. Many, many times. And sometimes that's what it's like. That's what you need to do. Attention is agitated, flighty, for whatever reason. And the more you do that, the more you conduce in a direction that... And the less you're feeding, then, that tendency. And, you know, one or two days into a retreat, again, you're certainly not the only one who's noticing a lot of mind movement. Okay. Yeah, other. Is there any problem with identifying the like impatience? You notice it 
and you identify it and then you come back or you shouldn't bother identifying and just come. Okay. Well, um, we'll start as the days go by we'll look with more, in more detail at what it is that we might be getting caught up in right for now the emphasis is on just dropping it but that identification may happen anyway right notice where you've gone if it sometimes we notice it doesn't matter where I've gone or what I'm caught up in. What I'm really noticing is just the fact of being caught up. So in that case, just unhook, drop, release, re-establish. But it may be that you notice there's just noticing it isn't enough. Just saying, oh yes, I'm caught, oh I should drop it. We say, yes, but, yes, but. <laughs> so then it might be helpful to notice, wow, what's so compelling? It's like, oh, I really want to think about whatever, some situation uh, at work, some decision I have to make. Or I really, I'm really invested in replaying that conversation I had last week where I felt uh, misunderstood or hurt or whatever. So you say, oh, I'm really, how come? And then you say, oh, it's like, oh, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm reactivating the hurt. It's like I'm trying to work it out by you know, thinking about it from all these different angles, thinking how it could be different. But what's actually happening is I'm feeling hurt, for example. So if, if it can just be dropped, whatever it is, then just drop it. But sometimes, even if you drop it, it won't drop you. And then it needs a little intention, a little, sorry, a little... Uh, identifying what's actually happening here and often when it won't drop you what's actually happening is that there's some emotional um, tenderness or difficulty that's driving the thought along so the thought is keeps obsessing turn around the same subject right? but you can't solve it resolve it just by thinking about it thinking about it so what, then what's helpful is identifying what's the feeling that's driving the thought stream. Does that make sense when I say it like that? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yes? Um, you know when you wake in the morning and you know you've dreamt but you can't remember what You, not me, you. One. I, 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 not one. When I wake in the morning yes. and I have dreamt and I can't remember what it is, I am finding... Um, your words, drop it, have made a huge impact on me. Mm. Um, and so I am dropping where my mind goes. But I'm also very aware that I, I'm not even sure where my mind went. Mm. There are people and stuff that makes no sense to me yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. And I do find myself trying to, like with a dream, replay it, but there's nothing no, there. No, it's just rubbish. <laughs> much, much of mental activity is just rubbish. It's just uh, the f- mental detritus, right? An accumulated um, input and impact of stuff, right? TV programs and songs and snippets of conversation and vague preferences and wishes and ideas and just just crap 
So no need, nothing to investigate. There, just drop it. When there's a certain charge to it, that's what we were just saying to Udur, then that's something else. Right? When, the, when the thing that comes along isn't just blah, 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 but it's got a whole charge, that, that's something else. But if, as you see, it's just rubbish, then no need to wonder, what, why have I got that kind of rubbish? Or where does that rubbish come from? I mean, you just, you just, you know, playing with rubbish then. <laughs> So the, 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 the process of just dropping it, you're actually cultivating the capacity to abide independent from mental detritus, which has a real <coughs> clarifying effect, brightening effect, grounding effect on well, then what you can actually engage with in your experience when you've got some of the rubbish cleared out of the way. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I, I was wondering, um, coming back. Uh, uh, I might have to be a little bit yeah, loud uh, enough, I'm otherwise I'll repeat. Again, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, when uh, when there is an idea that you cannot, yeah, that is coming back and coming back, and mm-hmm. then uh, so you try to analyze it in a way, say, oh, it, it is fear. Or mm. But that's precisely the moment when you start to analyze, oh, what is fear, and why is it a fear, and so on. And, 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 yeah. and so so I, would, I wouldn't describe it as analyzing it. I would describe it as sensing into, feeling into, what is the emotion that's driving the obsessive storyline along. Right? It's different. The analysis gets like just into a lot of more thinking about it. Right? But I would say listen to the body field more right, to find out. Oh, this happened and that happened. It's like, oh, what is this? You can, you can feel the hurt or the anger or the fear or, the, uh, or whatever it might be. It doesn't need a lot of analysis. Um, there's also room, it can be important sometimes, to really reflect on experience. And it's not saying that we shouldn't think about experience. It can be very helpful to think and even to analyze. But if the analysis is disembodied, it just tends to become circular and endless. Right? So, whereas if we, we know, not cognitively, but if we know directly, if we know the feeling in the feeling, we know the fear in the sensations of fear, if we know the anger in the heat and the bubbling of it, it's like that actually from that basis we can let ourselves consider, reflect. Right? But it doesn't become it doesn't become just aware. Otherwise, the, the thinking about tends to be stimulating and re-stimulating and re-stimulating the feeling, but without really understanding it, without really feeling it, without really resolving it. Does that make sense? Okay. So, fullness of the morning, and the steadiness of practice. In the walking, I, I said yesterday, right, uh, how walking is different 
from sitting. And one of the ways it's different, movement, eyes open, there's a more expansive field of experience often, a more inclusive field of experience. And um, it may be, for, for some people, we find, oh, the, the steadiness and stillness of sitting feels more, gives more easy access to a sense of presence. And then when I walk, the inclusivity means that I, I more often, I more easily get a bit spaced out. And yet for others, the opposite is true. There's somehow the intensity of sitting feels I get just kind of pulled into my own uh, thinking loops, you might say. And oh, the movement and the space and the inclusivity of the field of experience in walking actually helps me be more present. So you may find it goes one way or the other for you. But either way, in the walking, if, the, if you find that the inclu- inclusivity gives you a sense just of, oh, field of experience, present in the field of experience, walking in the field of experience, I can feel body walking, but I can also feel the impact of seeing I can feel the sense of wind I can feel the kind of fluidity of experience moving then it's fine to be inclusive of all of that no need to kind of uh, reduce things sometimes people feel oh it's difficult to to do walking meditation at Gaia House it's too beautiful here (laughs) you know I keep seeing the trees and they're so beautiful and then I can't practice oh as if there's no room for beautiful trees. Right. No, if one's impacted in that way, let that impact be there. Right. It's not there's so much what's included in the field of experience. It's really much more about the being present with, being present in. Right. So if you find that there's that sense of embodied contact with then really allow whatever moves in or through that field of contact. And if, on the other hand, you find that it's not embodied contact with, but it's more just spacing out, then in that sense, it might be helpful to have, to, in the dropping and coming back, to have something very simple with your attention. Right. So you can compensate for the being a little more spaced out or just lost in thought that might come from a more open field by just really having the sense of legs moving, being the centre of your attention. That's not a way of excluding the light or the trees or whatever, but just it's like dropping your attention down. Noticing that what I was, we were speaking about in the sitting, when we get caught in abstraction, energetically we tend to go up and out. Right? So helpful to compensate for that by coming in and down. In and down into body and breath. Belly and breath in the sitting. In and down into legs and feet in the walking. <coughs> 